G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Why don't we pray more often? Maybe we don't pray more because we think we don't have the time. We're all pressed for time, right? Never can quite get it all done. But coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says that's no excuse for prayerlessness. Let me ask you this. How much time do you spend on social media every day? So don't say you don't have time to pray. The fact is you will make time for what matters to you. This is the day when the lost are found. Imagine if the richest man in the world slipped you a piece of paper and said, here's my phone number, call me if I can ever help you. And then you hear a sound. Yes, your jaw hitting the floor. Imagine, what an invitation. Well, today in A New Beginning, we'll see that we have an invitation from God Himself to come to Him anytime in prayer. No mobile phone required. Pastor Greg Laurie is offering insights to help encourage us straight from the truths in God's Word. starting a brand new series that I'm simply calling Refresh. Things we must not forget as Christians. And in this message, I want to talk to you about the refreshing power of prayer. Am I talking to somebody right now who really doesn't know how to pray at all? You know, when we are with our little children before they go to bed, sometimes they'll say, kids, Say your prayers. Remember, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Is this a good prayer to teach to a child? Are you not saying to the child, now listen, you may die in your sleep tonight, and I just pray that God takes your soul. Really? So we'll say, remember to pray that prayer. Sleep tight. And don't let the bed bugs bite. Oh, you're gonna traumatize your child. No, we don't need to teach our kids prayers. We need to learn how to pray. Do you remember the first time you ever prayed? It, it's kind of awkward. It's a little scary to pray out loud, especially in front of other people. But let me ask you this. Do you remember the first time your prayer was answered? How wonderful that was? In light of this, why don't we pray more often? Why do we put off prayer? Why do we avoid praying? Well, let me offer some observations about that. Maybe we don't pray more because we think we don't have the time. But is that really true? Let me ask you this. How much time do you spend on social media every day? The latest research says people in the U.S. check their Facebook, Twitter, and other social media accounts 
17 times per day. That's once every waking hour. Teenagers spend nine hours every day consuming media. And you see people doing it constantly. They're, they're walking across crosswalks with traffic on both sides, looking at their phone, not even looking up. They go to a restaurant where apparently we're there to have a nice meal and socialize, and a whole family will be looking at their phones the entire time. This is missing the whole point. We can waste so much time doing it. Imagine if you prayed 17 times a day instead of checking your phone. Someone put it this way, and I quote, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time, end quote. How true is that? Then you factor in all the time that we spend binge watching television shows on Netflix or Amazon Prime or some other outlet. We can waste so much time. So don't say you don't have time to pray. The fact is you will make time for what matters to you. Number two, maybe we don't pray because we don't think prayer is all that important. Now we would never admit that outright, but do we really think it's important? I'm telling you it's very important. In the book of Joshua is a story of the Israelites leaving Egypt and going into this promised land flowing with milk and honey. And you remember there was an obstacle in their path. It was the mighty city of Jericho, a huge fortress. There was no way they could bring that down militarily. But the Lord said, I'll give you that city. So they prayed and they called on God and he gave them the battle plan, which I have to admit was pretty unorthodox. They march around the cities, yell and blow trumpets, put it worked. And the walls of this fortress crashed and they took control. After that, there was another little city called Ai, much smaller than Jericho, not nearly as difficult to conquer. They didn't pray about that. They just said, hey, we took down Jericho. Ai would be a piece of cake. And they went in and were soundly defeated because they didn't pray about it. We need to pray about everything. The Bible says in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It doesn't say in some things or only in the big scary things. It says in everything by prayer and supplication we should pray. Maybe another reason we don't pray more is because, well, we don't think prayer really works. Again, we wouldn't admit that, but that may be the case. We don't think it really works. But we have to understand what the objective of prayer is. It's not like God is a genie and he'll grant whatever wish we have. The objective of prayer is not to align God with my will, it's to align me with His will. Speaking of genies, I heard about a lady that was walking on the beach and she saw something embedded in the sand and she reached down to pick it up and it was a lamp. And, and as she rubbed it, a genie appeared. This is a true story, of course. <laughs> and the genie said, oh master, I will grant to you one wish. Whatever you want, it will be yours. Lady said, one wish. What happened to three wishes? He said, you know, we've had to cut back because of COVID. Oh, wow, one wish. She said, hmm. She pulls out a map of the Middle East that she happened to be carrying with her. And she said, Jeannie, this is the Middle East. And there's conflict in this part of the world all the time. My wish is for peace in the Middle East. And then she said, no, let me change that. I'm going to go big if I only get one wish. I want worldwide peace, global peace. That's my wish, Jeannie. I want peace in the world. The genie said, that's kind of a big one. I don't know if I can really do that. 
Do you have any other wishes? She said, well, I've always wanted to find one good man. A man that would love me, who would compliment me, who would not sit around on the couch and watch sports and TV, who would help me with the dishes and like the things that I like. Yes, that's it, Jeannie. My wish is for one good man. The genie looks at her for a moment and says, get that map out again. <laughs> so, no, God's not like a genie. He's a Father in heaven. And the objective of prayer is not to get God to do what I want Him to do. It's to align my will with God's will. Jesus said this in John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. From the original Greek it would come out something like this, Jesus speaking. If you maintain a living communion with me and my word is at home in you, I command you to ask at once for yourself whatever your heart desires and it will be yours. Now we immediately gravitate toward that latter part of the verse, whatever my heart desires. Yeah, but don't forget the condition. Jesus says, if you maintain a living communion with me and my word is at home in you. <laughs> Coming back to studying the Bible, if I'm studying scripture, memorizing scripture, understanding the message of the Bible, my desires are going to change and thus my prayers are going to change as well. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, he's offering some very practical principles on the power of prayer. It's the first part of a message called The Refreshing Power of Prayer. Let's continue. Here before us now, in Matthew 20, is two scenarios of prayer. And in this uh, text, we're going to find how to and how not to pray. How to and how not to pray. In both of the stories, Jesus asks the people before him, what is it that you want? First, we're gonna look at a mother who had two sons. She loved them, as mothers love sons and daughters. And she was very ambitious for them. And she asked Jesus to give something to them that was completely inappropriate. She stands as an example of how not to pray. In contrast, we have another story of two men who were unable to see. They were blind. And they called upon Jesus. And the way they prayed give us an example of how to pray. So let's start with how not to pray. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they'll condemn him to death and they'll deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify. And on the third day he'll rise again. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. By the way, this mother's name is Salome. And the sons here are James and John. And Jesus says to her, what do you wish? She said, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. <laughs> Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of and be baptized with the baptism I will be baptized with? And they said, we are able. 
Jesus said, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it's for those that have been prepared by my Father. Try to understand what's going on. Jesus is giving a detailed view of what is about to happen. He knew the future. He knew the thoughts of every person that he spoke to. And now he's saying, this is what's gonna happen to me. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm gonna be handed over to the Gentiles. I'm gonna be scourged. I'm gonna be beaten. I'm gonna be crucified. And I'm gonna rise again from the dead. As he's sharing this with his disciples, they're just not getting it. Because you see, their view was that when Messiah came, and Jesus was Messiah, that he would establish an earthly kingdom then and there. They were mistaken in their understanding of the role of Messiah. Because Scripture clearly teaches first Messiah would come and suffer and die for the sins of the world. Then he would return again and establish his kingdom. They missed the first part and only understood the latter part. So they thought he would drive out the Romans and they would rule and reign with him in positions of great power. Hence the request from Salome, the mother of James and John. By the way, James and John were given the nickname Sons of Thunder by Jesus. <laughs> you don't get a nickname like that for no reason. Kind of rough dudes, I think. Don't forget on one occasion there was one city that the disciples went to and they weren't all that responsive to the message of Jesus. And James and John, the sons of thunder, suggested fire should be called down from heaven on the people who lived in that city. Jesus is like, oy vey. Uh, I didn't come to toast people, but to save people. So you wonder, how did they become the sons of thunder? Check out their mother. Gives us a little hint. She says, I want my sons, James and John, to sit on your right and your left hand when you come into your glory. They should be thankful God did not answer that prayer. Imagine if God came to you and said, I will give you whatever you want. That actually happened to Solomon when he was a very young man. He had ascended to the throne to rule over Israel now that his father David was gone. The Lord said, ask what you want, Solomon, and I'll give it to you. Solomon said, well, Lord, I need wisdom to rule your people. The Lord said, Solomon, because you have not asked for riches or a long life or the death of your enemies, I'm gonna give you the wisdom you prayed for and I'm gonna give you all these other things as well. Is that not the perfect example of what Jesus taught us when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So here now are James and John and their mother asking for this thing. And understand how insensitive this was. What did Jesus just say? I'm gonna suffer and die. He said, oh yeah, okay, whatever. By the way, we wanna sit on your right and left hand when you come into glory. This would be like someone saying to you, wow, I just came back from the doctor's office and I found out I only have two weeks to live. And then you say, oh wow, interesting. Hey, can I have your car and your house too? I mean, what? That's exactly what they were doing. And Jesus is saying to them, hey, do you know what you're even asking for? What did Salome, the mother in James and John want? She wanted her sons to be on the right and left hand of Jesus. Salome, by the way, happened to be standing at the foot of the cross 
when Jesus was crucified. Who was on the right and left hand of Jesus? Two criminals who were also crucified. I'm sure at that moment, Salome said, Lord, thank you for not answering my prayer. Fact of the matter is, all prayers are effectively answered. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says slow. Sometimes God says go. Listen to this. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. So he said no to Salome and her two boys, James and John, the sons of thunder. Why? Because he loved them. So listen, if God has said no to your request recently, don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It actually could be a very good thing because God sees the big picture. That's how not to pray. Now let's talk about how to pray. Here's a couple of guys who prayed in the right way. Go back to Matthew 20, look at verse 29. As they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. And they cried out all the more saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So here's Jesus still on his way to the cross, on his way to suffer. And two guys are on the roadside. Here Christ is passing by. They call out to him. Someone says, shh, don't bother him. He's busy, he has things on his mind. And they call out even louder. Actually, the word translated from the Greek would be, they screamed. They screamed. I guess they believed that old adage, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? And Jesus stopped and he heard them and he answered their prayer. Isn't it amazing to think that God cares about us? I mean, he cares about the things that concern us. David said in Psalm 8.3, when I look at the night sky, and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. What is man that you should think of us? Mere humans that you should care for us. I was in Hawaii recently speaking at our church uh, there and I went out very late at night and looked up in the sky and I was stunned by how many stars I could see. You just don't see that many stars here in California. Just incredible overwhelming. And to think, my God, my creator, my father made all of that. Yet he cares about what I care about. God is never too busy or preoccupied to take time for you. Listen, if it concerns you, it concerns him. So here were two men with a very real need and Jesus responded to the need. So what do we learn about prayer from this story? In times of crisis, they pray, and so should we. Some good insight on prayer today from Pastor Greg Laurie. It's the first part of a message called The Refreshing Power of Prayer. 
And next time, we'll have some more insights from Pastor Greg's new Refresh series. Some great practical pointers coming on making our prayer life more productive. Join us again here on A New Beginning with Pastor and Bible Teacher Greg Laurie. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Refreshing Power of Prayer. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1800 0 50 11 or visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 